Welcome to another episode of the Local Podcast, a podcast about all things local, brought to you by the Wiregrass Local and Bar Media. Pete, how you doing today, man? I'm good. Um, hey, can we cut the part out where I go blah? No. <laughs> Solid content. <laughs> That's what the people came to hear. All right. Let's make weird, inaudible, or uh, undiscernible noises. And that's going to be an hour and a half worth of the local podcast this week. <laughs> I think we can make it happen. Premium content from the local. Yeah, dude. Speaking of premium content, last week we started this uh, very meandering journey throughout people's questions of uh, religion and right. Christianity and Episcopalianisms. Mm-hmm. I don't know. What's the, uh, what's the practice word for... Episcopalians or yeah. Episcopalianism. Or, there you go. Yeah, that's I think it's know. the ism. Yeah. I don't, my phonics aren't great. Uh, unfortunately, my wife only teaches up to a pre-K level at right, the moment. Right, right, so right. So there's not much she can do I'm, to Yeah, I've got to stay on her level to communicate. Okay. So I hear you. Um, crack this. Oh, it is an ale. It's a ginger one. Okay. Monday at 1 o'clock. Um, no, it's just Seagram's ginger ale. Yeah, that's ginger nice. ale. I think this one's been in a cooler though. It's scratch and dents section. That's all right. Um, yeah, well, last week we talked about all sorts of stuff, whether it be um, just people's interpretation of things. Yeah. Um, I like the traditional way. Actually, you talked about this earlier. Um, I was over at the church probably 20 minutes ago, and we were talking about the difference in your service versus a. Uh, a more come as you are. Yeah, like a. Yeah. Harvest, maybe? Are they like that? I don't know. I haven't been. I'm kind of busy on Sundays, so it's hard for me to yeah, visit gotta, other churches. You got to stop but, scheduling um, all that stuff for Sundays. Um, <laughs> you got to clear your schedule, man. Um, anyway, I've got these four very loose uh, topics to talk about today. Yeah. Um, they're quite ridiculous. They're more ridiculous than last week just because I didn't get any negative feedback. I'm not going to give you any, man. Not I, you. I, I I'm like talking about ridiculous. these clowns that listen to this nonsense. Oh, okay, okay. I'm trying to create a cult. So if you're if you're tuning into this podcast but weren't here for last week's, uh, just a wide ranging discussion on like how sometimes peculiar and how odd some of the things that you encounter in the faith are. Sure. And the fact that people have questions about that doesn't mean that they're not faithful. That. Actually shows they have initiative and they want to know more and yeah. they want to get to the bottom of things. Yeah, yeah. Or, that's and how sometimes the church has great answers for it, and sometimes the church is like, "Your guess is as good as mine." Sure, it's just a crazy thing. I think that's the that's where the disconnect is. A lot of times, people don't understand that maybe churches don't have every answer yeah. to every question. Yeah, um, people throw their hands up and shake their head and be like, "Well, I can't afford ten percent over there anyway." Um, <laughs> Well, we can start with that, actually. Uh, how did it land on 10% tithing? So the 10% comes from the the first fruits that, you know, uh, in biblical times were meant to support um, not only the, the priestly class, like the people who worked and, sure. and did the work of the temple, um, but also so that that group could apportion it to widows and orphans and people in need. So, you know, 10% was the, the standard that was set um, back in, 
you know, Leviticus, Deuteronomy, mm-hmm. Exodus, um, you know, the story of Israel coming out of Egypt, you know, this is what you need to set aside for, you know, for the, um, for the practice of religion yeah. and, you know, to, to recognize that the things that we have are all ultimately from God mm-hmm. and, you know, what God wants back is this, you know, this 10%. And so that's kind of evolved into the tithe. Gotcha. Um, now, you know, I will also remind people that, you know, 10% is, is a minimum expectation. Right. Now there are a lot of folks that, you know, you and I both know who probably give more than that. And there's some that, you know, probably could and don't. And, mm-hmm. you know, that's, that's neither, that's not mine to judge, but it's, that's, that's what the Bible says is a 10%. And it's first fruits, you know, it's not, you know, the 10%, the you don't 10% want that of what's shake. left over. Yeah, that that nonsense in the bottom of the barrel, it's yeah. those three bad apples. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you don't want... No. I mean, um, you'll take them because you can turn them into applesauce and feed the orphans. But well, sure. You know. But it's not ideal. No. Um, that's another thing we were talking about with the more traditional service like you guys have mm-hmm. versus like some of these weird backwoods flea market vibe services I've been to where it's like wife beaters and Daisy Dukes. Um, everybody just hollering for the Lord. Um, I like the way that you guys do it because it, it's so much more traditional. And like, I feel like if you're going to go all in on a religious Avenue, like do it. Like if you, if you firmly believe that this dude made everything and is the, the way the light and the, food or whatever the other thing is um the way the truth and the life yeah one of those sounds yeah. like sounds like food yeah it's, truth yeah snacks <laughs> anyway <laughs> have some respect and put on a suit yeah like i see i mean not that you have to to be in your congregation because no, no. i've definitely seen people not necessarily as yeah. dressed up as i feel like i'm not even a me- i'm not even a member i'm judging your con- congregation because they came in late and somebody was a little less casual than I was. Yeah. Well, but you know, here's the thing. If, if you want to come to church and you come casual, come casual, but you know, know that at nativity, we're going to, we're going to pull out the stops because that's what we do. So like, yeah. I don't, I don't come to church in jeans and a t-shirt. You, you know, could I come though. to church. I did. I could. Well, and the funny thing is, you got is a I robe, could because I've got a robe. It. Nobody's going to see except for, you know, what little part of my jeans is sticking out under the, uh, under the end of the robe. But yeah. that's not how I roll. And no. that's not how the congregation rolls for the most part. Now, you know, was there a time in the history of that congregation when if you showed up in, you know, shorts, people would look askance and whisper about you? Yeah, absolutely. That's there anywhere. Was. Yeah. And everywhere has that, but there are some people who go to know, a, the, in the beach in the 1940s. Yeah. You yeah. wore a bikini; it was over for you. Yeah, yeah. But you know, we take it seriously, and and the the liturgy that we practice is ancient. And there's a there's a sense of that deep mystery. There's a sense of that connectedness to time that's important for us. Sure. So, you know, if that's something that appeals to you, then by all means. If it's not, that's fine. You know, there's nothing wrong with it not appealing to you. It doesn't, it's not for everybody. Yeah. But if you want that sense of connection to the deep mystery of the history of the Christian tradition, yeah, you'll find it. Um, I like your services, um, which I've only been to weddings and Easter's there. Mm-hmm. Um, but I like the way, and I don't know if you're just doing it up because I'm coming to 
to the service. That's what it is. Like, I'm sure it is. Every time we get wind that Justin's coming, yeah, we're we like, got, hold up, we got, we got, we got to blow it out. Get this shoe polish out for this one. Um, <laughs> it's it seems well, it is more interactive than the normal church service. Like a lot of church services, you stand up, you throw some money in a plate, you sit back down, not necessarily in that order, and then you go to like a buffet. Yeah. And but with yours, there's call and responses. It's like being at a DMX show. A little bit, except that the, the DMX show is a little bit more spontaneous. Yeah. You know, um, I would say a lot more spontaneous. Not to somebody that doesn't know what's going on. Not to somebody that doesn't know what's going on. <laughs> and there's a script. There's a script if you come to ours. Yeah. So, like, is. you can just, you know, you can look in the book and be like, okay, well, I can read, so I yeah. know what's coming next. That's it. Now, you know, the question is, it doesn't always tell you whether you're supposed to stand, sit, or kneel, and people get real nervous about that. There, yeah. It's, but the other thing is, is, like, if everybody around you is doing it, you can do it. Or you cannot. Yeah. It, you know, you're not going to affect whether or not God's there or worshiped because you didn't kneel when everybody else knelt. Sure. You know, it's one of the funny things because, you know, so many people when they first visit, they want to sit in the back. And it's not because they're like shy, it's because they want to see what everybody else does. Yes. Because I'm back you, row in the balcony. Yeah. If you can watch what everybody else does, then you feel less out of place. And people don't go to church to feel like, they're not connected. They go to church to feel a connection to the community. Sure. By all means, sit in the back, watch. Yeah. You know, ask somebody. You know, that's one of the things about this congregation. If you go and ask somebody like, you know, hey, um, can you show me what we're doing? Most of them be more than happy to tell you. Yeah. Well, not only that, your congregation's solid. Well, this is probably built into the service, but at a certain point, you get to introduce yourself to everybody on the row. And in the rows in front of you and behind you. In the times pre-COVID? Yeah, you did. Yeah. You did. Um, and I feel like that's, a lot of churches do something similar to where it's like, look around, say what's up. Yeah, greet one another in the name of the Lord. Yeah. And I've been to a bunch of different churches that they're not as effective as your congregation at doing that. Like, it's super welcoming to be in there, no matter who you are or what yeah. kind of Wu-Tang socks you got on or what kookiness you have about we, you. We dig a we dig a set of Wu Tang socks. Not yeah. a, not everybody in the congregation does, but the, the priest sure does. Yeah. They're um you guys have such a traditional vibe, like I kinda don't take this the wrong way. Uh <laughs> it kinda reminds me of the bring out your dead scene when you walk the yeah, Bible yeah, yeah. in or whatever. Uh huh. It's very uh very I don't know, what, fifteen hundreds ish? vibe going on because that's when it was first written well yeah so yeah it's got that it's got that middle-aged vibe to yeah. it uh, in large part because that's when it came from yeah you know, and the funny thing about it is if you listen to like great speeches over the course of the history of this country you'll hear the same kind of rhythms and patterns that you hear in the prayer book because those are the patterns of speech that people really respond to mm-hmm. um it's, it's one of those funny things, but, um, yeah, the, the, the liturgy was written originally in that time. So yeah, it does have a kind of bring out your dead vibe to it. Um, um but then we also incorporate the, uh, the smacking your head with the wooden board scene. Yeah. yeah every now and then you'll get a piece of chant and you know, some of that is much older. We need to get a, the best part is that I don't think those, you don't tell anybody when that's going to happen. It just happens. Right. Yeah, it just well, I mean, you know, we chant psalms, and you know, kind of when the psalm is going to come. Yeah. Um. So you sort of know, but again, if you're visiting, yeah. you don't know, and then all of a sudden the choir is just like, you know, 
doing a chant and you know not that one we don't actually hit each other in no. the head with boards but um you know it uh yeah like it's the first time i went i believe it was it was one of the first bullard weddings and yeah i had never that was the first time i'd been in that church yeah um and i don't know how traditional of a service that was for a wedding it's pretty traditional um, I don't, I don't ad lib a lot with weddings. Yeah. Um, in part because I, I'm a big fan of the wedding liturgy and like there's power in saying the same things that your parents and your grandparents and your grandparents oh, yeah. said there's, cause know, it's the same bond that you're, yeah, wanting. you're, you're talking about the same bond and, and the marriage is not just about two people. It's also about the community, mm-hmm. you know, because the community is going to need to support people. I feel like people don't realize that they just go to churches to get married and they kind of discount the spiritual aspect of it. And they're like, we just got to get this registry done yeah, and get these gifts unpacked. And well, now you don't even have to go to a church to get married. You know, you just, the marriage is legally accomplished when you leave the courthouse Yeah, to get the marriage license. Mm-hmm. Why is that? How'd that get? Um, they changed that. Isn't there a separation of church and state somewhere that was supposed to be? Well, and, and that actually is a better separation of church and state because the marriage is a legal arrangement. That was the whole objection around here when the uh, Obersfeld decision came down from the Supreme Court legalizing mm-hmm. gay marriage. Yeah. Um, for a while, you couldn't get a marriage license in Houston County. Yeah. You had to go to Dale or. That was going know, on when we got married. Yeah, not so, you and I, but me and my wife. Yeah, right, right. Because we haven't been married. Not yet. Um, we're not going to be because if I, if you know, anything ever happens between Katie and I, she's just going to kill me. Like, there's not going to be a divorce. There's not going to be a settlement. I'll just be dead, and nobody will find me because you know she ain't gonna she ain't gonna mess around with that. No, she's no snitch. Either. Um, and I'm not sure that you'd survive, you know, that breakup either. So yeah, probably not. But when when marriage between persons of the same gender became legal. Then all of a sudden, there were several counties around Alabama that, in protest, stopped issuing marriage licenses. But they have all—I think all of them—have since started doing up. it. But the marriage is legally accomplished at the courthouse, at the clerk of the court's office, and then you have the option, whether you want to or not, to go and have that marriage blessed by a church. And so that's really what we're doing. I thought you is, had to. St- have whoever officiated sign the license you did until like 2016 20, really uh, well 2016 2017 in this county i think it's 2017 we got yeah. married no nope don't listen to this wife october of 2016 she doesn't support me it's fine yeah. um yeah uh she um I remember the next morning we had to track down our friend that married us mm-hmm. and like, and hey, get girl, signatures. don't leave town yet because yeah. we got to get you to sign this or yeah. this prenup's not going to be meaning anything. So I would usually sign the marriage license the day before and then, you know, hand it to a responsible party. Yeah. Because I didn't want get, in, when you're actually doing a wedding, there's just so much going on that you can't lose track of things that are really important and you will you absolutely will you'll completely forget oh god i've had the i've had the marriage license in my jacket pocket all night and i meant to give it to the bride and i forgot to now i'm at home yeah now i'm at home and they're still at the party and if i go back to the party i'm gonna stay at the party and i got services in the morning so i can't so you know i would just at the rehearsal the night before i'd go ahead and sign it and be like 
if anything happens, just don't register this. Just don't take it to the courthouse. Sure. But, you know, I'd always forget to get something signed. Do you run all of your uh, wedding services the same, or do you kind of customize them per couple? Or? I really don't customize them, again, because I, I believe in the power of liturgy. I believe mm-hmm. in the power of doing the same thing and praying the same prayers that people have prayed for generations. So I don't. You know, we don't we don't let you write your own vows. Um, we don't let you, you know, you can have somebody sing, you can have, you know, different readings, Mm -hmm. you can have a poem read, but the order of the service is pretty much the same every time. And it's a traditional marriage service. And it's, you know, I think it's beautiful. I think it's powerful. Part of what we do is, is pray in the prayers that, you know, the people who are there who are already married will find their vows strengthened by this. Mm Mm-hmm. That's that's cool stuff for me. So I don't I don't like to deviate. Yeah. Um, you know, there's a place for creativity, but for me it's not it's not in that and it's also not in the burial service. Are oh, you not trying to put zing put no, zingers in the burial? I don't I don't I don't much like Here lies Justin. We were all waiting for it. Well, and in part <laughs> because again, you know, there's something powerful about that idea that when we come to a funeral we we all come exactly the same. Sure. You know, so like if you have um if you have, you know, if you're planning to be buried in a coffin, when your coffin comes into the church for a funeral, it's covered with this big drape that we call a pall. And mm-hmm. everybody comes in under the same pall. If you have ashes that we're doing in the service, it's under the same pall. It's not the same pall that we use as a coffin because obviously that'd just be silly. Yeah. But there's a little lace um, piece that someone put together and we use that. And it's it's beautiful, but it's it's part of that statement that we're all the same in this moment. Sure. You know, we've all returned to God. What, um, how do you want to be buried, Pete? That sounds crazy, but ashes. You think so? Yeah, I think cremation. The only thing I have against cremation is the amount of energy it takes to burn a body. Yeah. Um, but it's generally speaking, you know, gas and I'm much more comfortable with using gas than I am with like using like gasoline. Sure. Or coal. So, you know, um, I mean, ideally, ideally I'd go, you know, pine box in the woods or, you know, just burial at sea. What about those little tree pods that you can grow into a tree? I I feel a little weird about the tree pod. You're going to be like a sleepy hollow with all the faces in the tree. Yeah, maybe the tree pod's not my thing. Um, I'm not real comfortable in the fetal position, so like you know, is that how they is that how they do it? Yeah, yeah. That's that's how you fit around the root ball. What? That's crazy. Yeah, I haven't dug into it too much. I'm just like, oh, you could turn into a tree. This is one of the upsides of of being in the the clergy business is Mm -hmm. is you learn a lot about a lot of things. Yeah. That you wouldn't have otherwise ordinarily thought about. So yeah, I'm, that makes I'm, sense. Yeah, I'm a cremation kind of guy. And, and what other options are there? Not a whole lot. <laughs> you get like a catalog every month of like check no, out this uh-uh. new Tupperware for your corpses or whatever. You know, <laughs> no, I don't get the catalogs. Um, I'm sure if I wanted one, I could go get one from Robert Bird. Who, yeah, I was going to say I need yeah. to hit up some uh, funeral directors and yeah, man, see what's up with these catalogs. Go, go over to Ward Wilson and Glover <laughs> or Scott Chapel and you know Hammond downtown, and uh, but you do you you see lots of different options. Um, again, you know, my ideal would be 
burial at sea after donating my body to science. Yeah. Like, you know, y'all, you know, use the organs you can use and use whatever else you can for med students who are trying to figure out how all this stuff works. Everything else, and deadliest catch. just wrap me in a shroud and weight it down oh. and put me in the ocean. Not deadliest catch, my bad. I've, yeah. I mean, that seems like it'd be going towards feeding some stuff. That's the 10%, that eternal 10%. There you go. If you just go it's to, the circle go to go of life. Crab pot. It's the circle of life, man. <laughs> Bait a crab pot with me. <laughs> I feel like... uh I feel like that'd be effective. I mean, that would be fair because I've eaten a lot of crustaceans from the Gulf. If I, yeah, it seems like they should get them. that. They should get that back. Yeah, you know, that's the way to do it. Whole but, bunch of shrimp and you know crabs feed off of me, and that'd be. Have that'd you be ever? Fair. Have you ever gotten a chicken, egg, and cheese biscuit from Chick Fil A or any? I mean, any of the I, spots. Yeah, you know, I'm not big on chicken and egg. Um, on a biscuit, I like a sausage egg biscuit or a bacon egg and cheese biscuit. I like I like pork with my. You're not egg trying and to get every stage. No, of no, the I don't. Being. I don't want to get every stage of the chicken <laughs> in a biscuit. Yeah, I'm good without that. It's a little, a uh, little gnarly. I would have to imagine. I like to mix the pork with the, uh, with the chicken. All right, that's not bad. Um, what I'm trying to think. So over the course of the last week or so, I've been talking about our last conversation mm-hmm. and some of the things that came up are kind of ridiculous. Um, the idea that if your lady is menstruating in the house, mm-hmm. how does that work? You got to burn the sheets and she's got to stay outside until she so gets her act together. Or? There's different things. And, and in lo- large part, it because it's because it was considered unclean. It was an unclean time. Yeah. And that's mostly because the, the men make the rules. Sure. Um, you know, women are very much. We don't understand that. Get it out of the house. Yeah, yeah. I'm not comfortable with that. It's it's mm-hmm. it's weird for me. So let's just put it outside. Uh, but there's all kinds of things like that. There's all kinds of you know edicts and rules for things like that that are just simply based in you know that time period. Yeah, it, and that's okay. You know, you don't have to look at that and be like Rachel Held Evans, who's a fabulous author, who you know regrettably died. I think last year or the year before, um, just wonderful writer, did this book where she lived a year of biblical womanhood where she like, oh wow, you know, was separated when, you know, she was separated from her household when she was, you know, menstruating and all this stuff. And, and I didn't read it, but I loved the idea of a modern person trying to live the life of a biblical woman for yeah. a year. I've seen Pioneer Quest, which was this awful reality show in like mm. the early 2000s. Mm-hmm. They picked, I think they picked one couple out of all these people to try to live for 10 months as pioneers. And they were, I want to say, yeah, it was, or maybe it was three couples and they all had to do the same like communal gardening and stuff like that. And they were breaking left and right. Like they couldn't, there was no way to do it. Oh, yeah. Um, and I feel like it would be very much the same situation to live as a biblical woman of the the times. Yeah. I don't think she like went for the whole, you know, no electricity, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. et cetera bit, but you know, it was follow these rules mm-hmm. of biblical womanhood and you know, um, she's, she's a great author and her stuff is phenomenal. It was a great loss to the Christian community for her to have died when she did. Uh, because she was just powerful and potent and wonderful. If that's, I mean, that's a solid, solid idea too to to go yeah. out and live that way for yeah. 
Well, and it's also a very, you know, that can be a very dangerous thing because, yeah. you know, one of the things you're supposed to do is like, you know, you're supposed to stone unruly children. Um, yeah. Well, I wouldn't have made it to adulthood. I'm no. fairly certain you wouldn't have. 100%. I and been. we both know that Lila wouldn't have made it past six. She definitely would have made it out, out no, of Miss April's no. class. She, she would have made it out of Miss April's class because oh, yeah. Miss April loved her. But, you know, yeah. she wouldn't have made it like out in the community because she, she, she's sassy. She is and, that. And, you know, in biblical time, that probably would have been viewed as unruly and disrespectful, yeah, and we would have stoned her. Little sinner, get out of here. Yeah. It's terrible. Terrible. Yeah. But. It always it always uh, intrigues me to see, to see, like, in those days, everybody judging everybody else's sinners and flinging rocks at them. Yeah. Um, That's one of the fun things about the story with Jesus and the, the rock throwing is, you know, all right, you know. Whichever one of you is perfect. The, the unblameless of you, come on, yeah, throw it. Let's get it. And the funny thing, one of the other funny things about that story is that, right, you know, they bring him a woman who's caught, caught in adultery, mm-hmm. right? She wasn't in adultery with herself. Sure. So where's where's the other half of that adulterous couple? Probably with a handful of rocks in his pocket. I'd imagine he was, or, you know, you know hiding somewhere because he didn't want to be in front of a handful yeah. of rocks, but nobody was interested in bringing him out. No, it was a harlot. Yeah. You gotta go. Yeah. Gotta, gotta be careful with those harlots. Listen, you should, I wish, where were you 20 years ago? 20 years ago. Kept me out of a lot of harlot drama man, over the years. Man, 20 years ago. I was not, I was not really good at keeping people out of harlot drama 20 years ago. Yeah. So, um, I was still young enough in my youth ministry that I was like, well, you know, uh, figure it out. Last week when we talked, or was it last week or the week? It yeah, it was week, last yeah. week. Um, we talked, I was talking about my journey from one church to another church. Right. And they were annoyed with the, the second church was annoyed that I hadn't been baptized in the same manner. Right. Um, as them. Uh, and I feel like if I'm baptized once, like that should be, if it's good enough for the Lord, then it should be good enough for, this half balding middle-aged dude that I was trying to join their church and it wasn't. So I, it gets me, this brings around the, the idea of once saved, always saved. Um, is that, is that one of those things where unless you come out and you like just denounce everything like the proud boys or whatever. And (laughs) does that mean that I'm just in it to win it forever? So, Unless I come out and be like, all right, God, I'm done with you. Your free ride's over. Get out of here. Jesus, grab him out of my heart like little uh, Mike TV from yeah. Willy Wonka. Set him yeah. on the table. I'm like, you may go now. Yeah. Is that how I become unsaved? or how does? Not that I'm interested in that. <laughs> it, it depends on your theology. So like, I having grown up Episcopalian, I didn't realize that there were people who thought that you could lose your salvation, that you could do something to make yourself unsaved. Yeah. And when I discovered that, I really had to look a little more deeply into what I believed because I was like, well, do I think you can? And and the answer for me was no, in large part because of the way that we approach the sacraments of the church, right? Okay. Marriage is a sacrament of the church. Baptism, mm-hmm. communion, you know, Holy Communion, Eucharist, um, you know, there's other sacraments as well. But the way we approach the sacrament of baptism is is one of the things we say at the end of that, after we baptize a baby, 
and we seal their foreheads with you know oil that's been blessed by the bishop. Is that what that is? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's oil, and it's it's scented olive oil is all it really is. But it's oil that's been blessed by the bishop. We call it chrism. And so once a baby's been you know chrismated, one of the things we say in view of the congregation and everybody else is, you are sealed by the Holy Spirit in baptism and marked as Christ's own forever. Okay. Right. And in the sacraments, we believe that God is working an inward spiritual grace in you that there are outward and visible signs of. The outward and visible signs being the water, mm-hmm. being the chrism. But the inward and spiritual grace is that God has marked you as God's own forever, and there's nothing you can do to undo the work of God. It's like getting an ear tag for a cow. Sort of like that, but you know the ear but a tag little better. Yeah, it's it's, a it's better. better because the ear tag will come off, you know, when the cow's dead. Sure. And the point that we're making is that your salvation doesn't end when you die. No, that's when it kicks in. Yeah, that's that's that's, that's when, when the benefit period that's when starts. It's get the good. That's when the good. benefit period really starts. Yeah. Um, but there are churches that believe that you can, because of the free will that we all have, mm-hmm. that you can abandon your salvation. I am of the opinion that God doesn't give up on people even when they give up on God because God didn't give up on me when I gave up on God. Yeah. You know, when I found myself away from the church, it didn't matter. God was still working in me. I just wasn't really open to it and wasn't really paying attention to it. So, you know, now is there something wrong with churches that do that? No, that's just the way they approach it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, one of the questions I've gotten a lot here. Um, is why we baptize babies, because they can't make a conscious decision. Yeah. Well, we do it because we believe that God's working something in them, and they don't have to be a part of the conscious decision. Sure. That God is working in that grace, and that's it. It's over. You don't have to be you know, able to make your own decisions. And besides which, most of the people I know, you know who have been baptized in that situation were mm-hmm. baptized between like 8 and 12, Yeah. maybe 16, Man, I would hate... They still didn't know what they were doing. They didn't know what they were doing. You know, they've got a better idea than the baby, maybe. Maybe I should start recruiting salespeople for the local at that age. You could, but, you know, they won't know what they're doing. Now, they they learn quickly. Yeah. You know, at that age. So you'd you'd get some very knowledgeable sales staff by the time they were 20. But you wouldn't be able to trust them with a dead gum thing until they were at least 25. Yeah. Uh, Yeah. I'll leave them alone. There you go. That's a... I'm trying to mess with, trying to trick kids into doing all my stuff. Like, <laughs> oh man, what was that? Oh, Game of Thrones. Did you ever watch all of that? Oh yeah, watched it all the way through. Rewatching it now. Really? Yeah. The the uh, High Sparrow dude mm-hmm. had his little kid army. Yeah. No, that was um. No, no, it was the high, the High Sparrow. Yeah, all those little monster kids. Yeah, that was a creepy. creepy some situation. of them were some of them were real young. Some of them were like teenagers, twenties. Sure. Yeah, all you the can, abandoned children of look, Westeros. You can you can get a lot of zealots. Yeah, you know, and it's a dangerous thing sometimes. Uh, um, have you ever used that uh, scented olive oil to cook with? No, no, I don't think it'd taste very good. Okay, because uh, I feel like the scent would kind of, and it's it's not scented with like rosemary. Usually, it's scented with like you know myrrh. Oh yeah, for it's, you know. Oh, yeah. No thanks. Tastes like death. Um, because it seems like it'd be a solid marinade. Which on this board there is a line that says cannibalism <laughs> and Christianity. 
can they be mutually exclusive? Or I always made jokes uh, about cannibalism whenever mm-hmm. we were doing um, taking the sacrament, whenever we were doing communion. Yeah. Um, the whole like this is my body, chow down. Yeah. This isn't the words verbatim, but right. Um, the idea that I feel like a lot of people focus on the simile rather than the sentiment. Yeah. To make sense. Yeah. And for me, I'm always that dude because it's funnier. Right. Um, it is funnier to think, you know, we chomping on, is this his fingernail? What is this? <laughs> oh man, you got that Jesus toe. It's kind of got, it's kind of got the consistency of a fingernail. Yeah. One of my great friends, um, used to say about the sacrament that it took two great leaps of faith with a communion wafer to believe that, you know, that Christ was present. The first of all was that you had to believe that communion wafer was bread. Yeah. Cause it's, yeah, it's not like not. bread that you've ever had, um, and then you have to believe that that bread actually becomes the body of Christ. Yeah. And so that's a that's a mystical and sacramental thing that, you know, if you believe that, rock on for you. I, I do. You know, I believe mm-hmm. that when people take that in, they are taking in the body and blood of Christ. And, you know, I don't think that's weird at all because that's what we were told to do. And, and part of how we embody that is to be the body. Yeah. Right. So there was a a seminary professor that I remember saying, you know, receive what you are, be what you receive. Mm -hmm. Right. The body of Christ, as described in Scripture, is not just the flesh and blood body. It's the body of Christ, as Paul describes in um, in the letter to the Corinthians, where he's talking about the body of Christ being all the believers. Mm -hmm. So, you know, do you need to believe that it is physically, you know, the blood of Christ I can tell you that, like from a from a physics and chemistry standpoint, it's not. Yeah. Um, at one point, I had to drink a lot of leftover communion wine. Sure. Because there wasn't a good place to pour it out. You would think um, uh, vampires would be staunch Christians. You would think that. There's you would dealt out free meals. Yeah. Except you don't get much. Well, it's just that. a sip. Yeah. You know, or if you if you're if you're one of the people who dips the wafer in the wine, it's just. It's just a tease almost. So, yeah, when I was a kid, uh, we went to Lafayette Street. Lafayette Street? I, I think it's Lafayette from. Street here. It is, it is for me. Okay. Uh, but it's not for many. Maybe it is Lafayette. I don't know. I think it's Lafayette. Depending, It's not a church anymore, so it's just a church on a block in the ghetto at this point. Yeah. Um, but we would, me and my, what became my roommate and then later my best man, uh we would get done with communion, the communion service, and bolt around. We'd run out the back of the church, run around to the back of the uh, choir loft where all the staging was for all the uh, communion wafers and quote-unquote wine. Mm-hmm. And we would throw back as much grape ju- grapefruit juice as we could, <laughs> thinking that like maybe we'd get tipsy. Maybe. And it was Welch's the whole time. Man, Can't not at Nativity. It. It's a fortified port at Nativity. Okay. So it's a uh, it's a high alcohol content. Yeah, y'all wine. popping bottles for the Lord over there. Yeah, we are. We are. We're unscrewing them over at Lafayette Street. Mm-hmm. Lafayette Street. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was actually one of the great early challenges in COVID because we were looking for like individually sealed communion. Yeah. And they, only, they almost only do it with the grape juice Lunchable. Yeah. And so... Like I said, I'm not doing grape juice. Like we do wine because that's what Jesus would have drunk. Mm-hmm. We're doing wine, um, and so we still 
you know, we're still doing communion, just bread um, at this point. Well, so, you can't get some sing- some Sutter Homes singles or something. I'm sure we could, but man, tacky up the yeah, service a little it'd bit. be tacky, and we don't we don't do tacky. Yeah, you're creating a bunch of bottle waste. Yeah. Um, what about people that live on remote islands that don't know anything about Jesus except that he looks like a pasty version of what they probably look so like? So, like, they may have seen a picture, a portrait, or. Not yeah. even that, but like, or they may have had if, no contact with any civilization that was in touch with Christianity. Yes. Yeah, right. So the way that I approach that isn't that the same as babies to an extent. It is. It is. And so the way that I approach that is, that if you've never heard the good news, then you really can't reject it. Sure. And the other thing that, and this is gets into you know how we regard the afterlife, and this isn't necessarily the view of the Episcopal Church, but what I've kind of come to about the afterlife is that we're all going to meet God. Sure. At some point, we're all going to encounter God, and and how we respond at the end of time isn't necessarily dependent on what we did before that. You know, maybe it's because I've screwed up so many things in my life. I always kind of feel like there's a shot at redemption for everybody, right? And so I want that for everybody else. Yeah. Um, and so I want people to be able to, you know, when they come to the afterlife, to be able to see and encounter God and know this is absolutely where I want to be. Yeah. And this is not a new concept. You know, universalism is not universalism is not a new thing. You know, there are, I think, fourth century icons of mm-hmm. something we call the harrowing of hell. Okay. And basically what it is, it's it's an ancient icon of Jesus leaving hell after his descent to the dead, right? After Jesus was crucified, the church says that he descended to the dead and he rose again. And so this is like immediately prior to the resurrection. But Jesus is like Saturday. Yeah, like Saturday evening. Yeah, Yeah, Saturday evening. We'll say Saturday evening. Because you you still got to get a good night's sleep in before you, you know, before you raise from the dead. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you don't want to move that rock and, and be tired at the same time. No. You, be, you wind up sitting there, and then when everybody comes to the garden, you're like, oh. You're just winded sitting to, in the doorway. I meant, to, I meant to be gone. I'm sorry. Can y'all can y'all just take a walk around the block That's and come it. back? Um, but the harrowing of hell depicts Jesus rising out of the gates of hell, and the gates of hell are, like, busted off their hinges. Okay. And on one hand, carrying Adam on the other, Eve, and that being symbolic of the fact that Jesus went to hell and redeemed everyone who ever had been in it from the beginning of time, from the beginning of humanity. And I love that image. I love that idea. You can say that that means that that makes, you know, obeying the rules and, and doing all the right things in this life meaningless, but it doesn't because the rest of your theology has to match that. Mm -hmm. Right. So if your theology is do good or you get punished and that's where it ends, then yeah, 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 that doesn't work. The yeah. arrowing of hell doesn't work for you. But if your theology is be a part of building the kingdom of God, be a part of creating what God wants in this world, which is goodness and love and mercy and kindness and grace, and to be a conduit for that, then, yeah, there's still a reason to be a part and to do the things that you should do as opposed to all the things you shouldn't do, which yeah. you've got plenty of experience with. Doing the things you should do is... is it's usually the tougher road. It, it's tougher, but God, in the long run, it's great. 
You know, you, you get to nourish relationships. You get to build people up. You get to see what happens when you invest time and energy and effort in people. That's exciting stuff for yeah. me. Yeah. You know, now does it, does it match up with when you're in your twenties and you're just living wild down on the beach? Yeah, for me it does. Cause I tried that and realized very quickly, like, I don't want to be doing that at 50. Yeah. It's kind of unsustainable lifestyle. It is. So you move on. You realize that there's more to life than that and tear it up other ways. That's it. That's how, uh, that's one of the things that as I've gotten older, like obviously I'm not, I don't have to be the life of the party. And in a lot of cases, I'm not even at the party anymore. Um, nobody's at the party now. Well, yeah, there is no parties going on. Like everybody's zoom partying, but yeah, I'll, yeah, I'm not, I mean, there's plenty of parties, but we ain't going to them. No. Um, but it was just taking inventory of like, I think, this year in particular has helped uh, a lot of people re-inventory what's important to them as far as what they what they want to invest their time in because they had so much time to not worry about that. Yeah. And for me, like I was just wrapped up in the cycle of like always having something going on, rarely having something going on that involves having my wife with me um, and just being all over the place. And usually drinking my face off at whatever event that was going on. Because like, while a lot of people just assume that I'm naturally full of energy and joyous, like I have pretty bad, uh, social anxiety, mm. which is where the drinking came in handy. Yeah. Um, cause I'm naturally making fun of everything. That's kind of my default setting. Yeah. Um, but when you start having a f- alcohol fueled, hilarious vehicle laying around, I'm just going to make fun of anything and everything. Yeah. Um, and eventually like you'll lose friends over it Yeah. because what you think is funny or what you know is funny. It's too soon for a lot of people. And it, you push too hard. Yeah. Yeah, dude. Like I'll, I've said some pretty wild stuff in my, my day. Um, but it's more of, I don't know, maybe it was more of a, just getting more responsible or becoming more mature. Um, I don't know. Like, I feel like, I feel like I I have such, such an ability to just make fun of everything that I would make. Yeah. I never take anything seriously. Um, and what put a big, big stop to that, like drunk clown, everything, uh, train was, was it 2017? Um, was that the year Mo gave up drinking for Lent? Or yeah, was that eighteen. Yeah, no, it was seventeen. Yeah, so seventeen, I yeah. I gave up drinking with him. Yeah, uh, for Lent, even though I'm not Episcopalian necessarily. Yeah, and that was your first Easter in church, wasn't it? Twenty seventeen. I think so. I feel like it was the big show because after like after a Lent of not drinking at all, you know, that's a good reason to celebrate the end of that. Yeah. Um, that's right. Yeah, we were, I ran into you the night before. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, yeah, so I didn't drink for 40 days, which is something I hadn't done since I was in high, oof, maybe in middle school. Yeah. And it really kind of, it for one, it made me lose the taste because I, rem, I hadn't had like that many days in a row without hangovers ever in yeah. my adult life. Yeah. 
And I was like, what am I, what else have I been doing for no reason? What, what else am I involved in? Where else have I been wasting time? Yeah, this, this is terrible. And then like you go to your like favorite bar that you used to go to all the time and you look around and you're like, I hate these people. Like these people suck. Or you go there and all of a sudden you realize like you're the old dude in the club. Yeah. And I'm not into that. Like I'll just shave. Like if I shave today, I'll probably look 13 and a half. Probably. If I didn't speak, I might yeah. be weathered in the eyes a little more nowadays, but I could pass as a kid. You probably, probably could. Um, I'm not going to try because no, uh-uh. I think Jeffrey Epstein did enough of that for everybody. Yeah, more importantly, like there's a there's a there's a risk reward of that. Dude, like, yeah, like I'm hap- very happily married. Yeah, I'm very happily. I wouldn't say sober necessarily, but I'm not getting drunk every day like I used to love to do. I will say I still like to go to a club and like people watch. Oh, dude, that's yeah. Um, but that's really kind of the end of it. Yeah, like shopping malls and nightclubs are the same for me now. Yeah. Um. I don't know. Like it just, I feel like if you go to one, you're automatically going to the other. And usually you go to one to find your outfit to get thrown up on at the next spot. Yeah. Spot. Yeah. Um, shout out to all the nightclubs out there. Yeah. Uh, no, look, I, I, I love, I love a place with a club scene. I think it's great. You know, I spent, you know, we socialized as a couple, we socialized a lot at, you know, KT's downtown and, um, you know, Katie and her friends went to kiss my axe, mm-hmm. uh, from work. Uh, and then, you know, kiss my axe happened to be closed, but they went to the recovery room instead. Like there's all kinds of places. Dude, that, our nightlife know, is awesome. But yeah. But what you know, wasn't awesome was my self-control. Yeah. That's really, I mean, it's definitely not any blame on any venue. Right. Like if, if any blame, if there's any venue to blame it'd be like my parents' house, because what's up free liquor cabinet. Like you guys went out of town, yeah. Uh, Gentleman Jack, we're going. We're going to take this. We're going to get real drunk. We're going to put all my old skateboard shoes in a trash bag and go to another friend's house and bag up all their old shoes and we'll tie them all together and throw them on the power lines at Dothan High School. There you go. We almost got in a lot of trouble for that. I would imagine you did. Um, yeah, there's like some wires dangerously close to each other. Mm. And the weight of them shoes didn't help. Yeah. I don't know. You uh, ought not do that. Kids. Yeah, I'm not your, doing there's that your, There's your PSA. Like, don't do that. Yeah, if you guys need uh, to know what not to do, <laughs> holla at your boy. Because I can tell you exactly what not to do. We can tell you lots of things not to do. Electric fences? Yeah. No thanks. Oh, man. Backed into one of those on a summer day without a shirt on. Oh, yeah. Woo. Get those grill marks. Lord. <laughs> it was terrible. It yeah. was terrible. I would... Uh, but, I remember... When I was a kid, kid, like probably five, I would I would wake up at my grandmother's. She lived on this giant dairy farm in upstate New York, which seems counterintuitive for most people that picture New York and then try to imagine cows in it. Um, it's a real thing, and it's most of the state. Yeah, I was going to say the lion's share of the state of oh, New yes. York in terms of land mass. Yeah. Is quite rural and agricultural. Oh, yeah. But, you know, the lion's share of the population in New York... Is all on that island. Yeah, is all on, like, eight blocks of, you know... Nightmare. But, you know, that that is what it is. Yeah. So you went up to your grandmother's and... Yeah, so I'd get up, run down the stairs, just... The minute I woke up, I was just out in the wild. It was kind of how I've been since I can remember. And I remember... What was I doing? I was chasing cows around because I was bored. 
or just a little kid. And I remember trying to get over the electric fence. So I tried to climb it like a ladder. No. It's not not the move. No, that's... It's like that's five-year-old Justin trying to climb up the thing. Definitely not like the move. Barehanded. Just yeah. goof, goof. It's like, I don't know why this wire feels so weird when you touch it. Like, I didn't even comprehend what was going on. <laughs> I was just, oh, keep going. Yeah. It was, I ended bad. up breaking the post. But... You know, you live, you learn. Yeah, don't do those things. Don't do um, those things, kids. There's just so much stuff that I wish people would have pointed out, like when I was a kid. Like, don't do that, and here's why. Yeah. Instead of me and just but like, would we have listened? I don't think so. Probably not. And I think that's, I don't know. I think that's my hopes with podcasts and stuff. Is like, maybe somebody will pay attention and not go try to climb a electric fence like it's a ladder. Yeah. Um. Well, and for the purposes of this one, you know, maybe somebody will recognize like, God, I have some of these same questions sure. and I find some of the same stuff ridiculous. Yeah. And, and this is, this is helpful. And, you know, there are people that I can talk to about this because it's important to me, but I also don't know, you know, I don't know how to approach it. Yeah. So, you know, that's one of the things that I dig about it. And and the way we got, you know, the way we got to electric fence was, was again, from, you know, that concept of the harrowing of hell. And, and I should premise that by saying, you know, that's not necessarily the theological position officially of any church. But one of the things that I love about the Episcopal tradition is that there's not a heavy dose of dogma Yeah, where you have to believe this happened this way. You know, you don't have to believe that the bread becomes the physical body flesh of Christ. Yeah. And you don't have to believe that the wine is actually the corporal blood of Christ. You can. I do. But if you understand it as sign and symbol, mm-hmm. that's fine, too. Yeah. So, like, one of the one of the great things that I love to point out to people about the way the church, the Episcopal church kind of straddles the middle line. Mm-hmm. Like, if, if you want to understand in a sentence kind of the breadth of the theology... When we give people the bread and wine, generally the words we say are the body of Christ, the bread of heaven. Okay. Right? So we say these two things, which remind us of the two theological divergent points out of which the Anglican Church came. Right? Protestantism, which looked at communion, the Eucharist, as sign and symbol Mm -hmm. only, and Catholicism where it was, this is the actual blood and body, flesh of Christ. So, you know, that sentence is the duality of theology that we represent and that we can hold in tension. And that's one of the reasons that I think the church is in just a great position is because we can hold things in tension. Yeah. You know, you can believe, you can go to the Episcopal Church and you can think that the Bible is inerrant. Some of the sermons will become very awkward for you. Sure. But you can also go to the Episcopal Church and and be a historical critical scholar who looks at it more as metaphor and story than anything else. Yeah. And those people can be in relationship. And that's one of the great testaments of the church is that people who believe drastically different things can live together in community. Yeah, because they're still in the same boat as a whole. They're all in the same fleet. Yeah paddle in the same direction well and and you know it's it's also you know the church has historically been misunderstood in so many ways that 
it's a place where you can go and get those questions answered. Yeah. Or just have some people walk with you through the struggle and know that, again, to come back to the power of liturgy and the reason that I do weddings and funerals Mm -hmm. and things like that all the same, to come back to the way we do the service every week being the same, right? When you can't pray the prayers, when you don't have enough faith in your heart to pray those prayers and to believe those words, the community does that for you. Mm -hmm. And you can be in that building where all these people are saying these things and you cannot believe it in that moment, but know that, you know, the church will hold the faith for you until you get there. Yeah. I dig that. That's a good way to be. I think so. Yeah. But you know, not everybody does. It's not for everybody. Yeah. I feel, I don't know, man. Your service is just so much better than like that weird fake U2 concert vibe. Now look. Where there's like five drummers for no reason. Not that some of those things aren't some moving situations that sure, I've been and, and deeply spiritual for a lot of yeah. people. But, you know, the Episcopal Church has done its share of goofy cultural things. You know, back when I was first doing youth ministry, um, it was... God, so we're talking late 90s. All of a sudden, there was this big thing after U2 released an album where it was, you know, we wanted to do services with that with their music. Where like, the priest you know, has no name. No. It, it wasn't... U2 I mean, it wasn't quite that schmaltzy, <laughs> but, you know, the Episcopal Church, if we're being honest, has historically been a, you know, upper-middle-class white property owner church. Okay. Just has. Mm-hmm. And that's... That's not what it is becoming, thankfully, mm-hmm. but that has long been what it was dominated by. Yeah. You know, there's that there's a reason that you can't go to DC and throw a rock and not have it bounce off two or three Episcopal churches sure. because people who had power and money really liked being a part of the Episcopal church because of the circumstance, because of the tradition, because of the exaltation of, you know, kind of classical music and yeah. organ and all those things. Um, but the churches had some, some real weird moments where like all of a sudden we decided we were going to be culturally hip and the, the U2 Eucharist, the U2 service was one of them. Yeah. Now, you know, theologically you look at some of the music that they've written and done over the years, mm-hmm. it's, it's as powerful as any hymn. Sure. But you know, if you think that's the way that you're going to gain cultural relevance, then you've lost. Well, yeah. Cause then you're just forfeiting not forfeiting but you're, you're just mimicking. shifting what you what your core beliefs are to yeah. chameleonize yourselves into being more digestible for people that don't care about you in the first place yeah and well let's let's be honest you two by the late 90s was not a super popular band with the young people no you know there are not a whole lot of people who were in high school in the late 90s who were like man that that is the hot commodity yeah. You know. Oh man. Now Luda, you know, if if we had had if we had had a yeah, way to he figure was back out, again for the first time and dude, nineteen what ninety nine Wu Tang, you know, like if if you'd if you'd been able to capture that, then you might have been able to capture a little bit of of cultural signpost. Where we were, were you, Luda Christ? You could have saved so man, many people. I'm telling you, Chris Bridgers, you missed what out. If, I would love to see. I'd love to see a rap dude named Luda Christ. Wearing a crucifix on stage. That would be fun. That would be fun. Um, dude, how'd we burn through that time so fast? 
Lord, because it's interesting stuff. There, there was one thing I wanted to say on the body and blood thing. Yeah, because we we talked about this cannibalism, um, <laughs> this cannibalism, <laughs> this, is ridiculous. this idea of cannibalism, which which isn't ridiculous because in the early part of the church, that's that's another that's another thing that put me in mind of the the harrowing of hell thing. In the early church, one of the things that the Roman Empire said about Christians mm-hmm. and everybody who wanted to make Christians look bad said about Christians is you know they're they're cannibals they eat the they eat the body and blood of children right because we were saying that we were we were consuming the body and blood of of Christ the son mm. of god you know this baby who was born in bethlehem and so that gets pulled Shuffled out of into- proportion pulled out of context and that's long been one of the problems with the message of the church is that we we allow ourselves to be decontextualized and let people just make wild stuff up about us. Yeah. But the upside of that is that at the same time, the church was growing so powerfully and so fast that, you know, you had to create some kind of myth to scare people about them. Yeah. There's safety in numbers. And when those numbers aren't going your way, yeah, it doesn't make you feel safe. It's the funny thing though, because in the history of the church, when the church has been, persecuted it mm-hmm. has always grown because when we get when when the church is persecuted it's grown because you you get a deeper commitment to the values of the church it makes sense right you take that whole care for the widows and orphans thing that james says mm-hmm. in that letter you know what true religion is care for the widows and orphans keep yourself unstained by the world you know you you devote yourself to that stuff and people see that witness and they're like well, man i want to be a part of that so, it makes sense yeah it does People, uh, also people have been talking shit about everybody else from day one. Oh yeah. Like anytime there's a group and somebody's not allowed to be, or not a part of that group for whatever reason, there's always, always the opportunity to be like, well, they suck. Yeah. And we've done it too. Look, we just watched the election. That was mostly what it was. Yeah. Yeah. Which was so depressing. It was a little sad. So depressing. But, I, you know, I, I I long for, and I don't know. Maybe that maybe the halcyon days of my youth when you know we actually talked about issues never were. I don't know, but it feels like we don't talk about the value of ideas anymore. We just call each other names, and it feels childish, and it feels immature, and it feels bleh. Yeah, to me, everybody forgot that you can't have Taco Tuesday without. The Latin population. Tacos. Yeah. Yeah. Like, you, you need everybody's people who are good at making tacos. Yeah. Everybody wants to be Irish on St. Patrick's Day. Yeah. But every other day, like, you can't get down with it. Yeah. I, don't, I don't understand. But remember, the cherry years picking ago, of, well, yeah, we are. 120 years ago, ain't nobody want to be Irish. No. Yeah. You know, except the Irish. And they were proud to be Irish, but, you know, they were not well accepted. You would think with all those potatoes, you'd have more Irish vodkas. Well, that was the problem. Like, you know, there was potato famine. Well, there was wasn't that. enough Wasn't enough potato to make vodkas. And besides, you know, the Irish the Irish were a little bit more for beer. Yeah. You know, I've been to Belfast and, and they were they love that Guinness over in Belfast. Yeah. Um dude, yeah. We got one more in you for one of these or Yeah, I got next Monday. All right. That's all my Dude, I'm pumped. All right. Um I'll uh figure out what you want to talk about. I'll make some phone calls. Yeah. And uh Pull some some heavy hitters out of the woodwork, okay, with some real zingers, and see see what we can't come up. That with. That sounds good to me. Awesome, dude. I always love answering questions about the faith because it's you know it's fun. It's what I do. Yeah, and it's not like 
I'm kind of, I've kind of been in that world before where I was a Sunday school teacher for a while and was going to go to school to be a youth minister. And then whatever happened to get me here happened. And, uh, but you know, I mean, I don't know. Yeah. I just enjoy spending time with you and learning about, uh, why you do what you do. Same here, man. Awesome. I mean, I know why you do what you do, but I enjoy spending time with you and talking about it. It's definitely not the money. (laughs) I wish it was. But yeah, dude, one week from today. Sounds good. Awesome. I appreciate it. Next week. If you'd like to be a guest on the Wiregrass Local podcast, give us a shout at wiregrasslocal at gmail.com. Follow us on Instagram or Facebook at Wiregrass Local or hit us up on Friendster, MySpace, or LiveJournal. That's all fake, but you know what I mean.